Hi, everyone. This is Rachel Vinman, and I'm on Red Wine and Blue's first ever Troublemaker Tour. I'm sitting down with suburban women in Michigan, Ohio, North Carolina, and Pennsylvania to hear about what matters to them. Welcome to my Kitchen Table Conversations. Hi, everyone. This is Rachel Vinman, and I am on the fourth stop of my Troublemaker Tour. I am sitting at a kitchen table in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I'm joined by two Stacys, Stacy Staggs and Stacy Swanson, and Anissa Knight. I'm just going to let you guys introduce yourselves. Uh, my name is Stacy Staggs. I am a resident of Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm a parent of twin girls who just turned nine last Sunday, and uh, each of them have complex medical needs and disabilities, uh, so they have been... Um, affected by, uh, most recently by the COVID pandemic, um, but we've been doing advocacy work to help them fully engage in public education, healthcare access, and community inclusion really since they were born. Hi, um, I'm Anissa Knight, fairly new to Charlotte. We moved here in 2019 after I retired from the Air Force. My husband and I have two children. One's 14, he's in the CMS system, and my 10-year-old daughter actually goes to a charter school in Uptown. Hi there. Hi, <laughs> Stacy. And other, our other Stacy. <laughs> uh, my name is uh, Stacy Swanson. I am actually from Union County, North Carolina, which is right next door to Charlotte Mecklenburg, um, and yet couldn't be any more different. <laughs> um, I have lived here for about two years. Um, I'm actually from the Northern Virginia area, so I'm very familiar escaped, with DC. <laughs> very familiar with the um, DC metro area, so we share that. Um, my background is actually in the music industry, um, and I have a lot of my advocacy experience in the realm of advocating for schools to fully fund music education. Mm-hmm. I ended up shifting from my music advocacy work to helping all of the students and staff in the in Union County um, during COVID. I feel like it's only getting more important to advocate for our children. But I mean, it's always been important, but it, it's more important because now we kind of have to counter people who are, I think, nefarious actors, you know, trying to use our schools for their, their own reasons. And this is really a hot battleground. Could you guys tell me a little bit about what you're what you're seeing in that regard here in North Carolina? I would say that what what more people are becoming aware of has actually always been there. Um, so welcome to the very necessary work of engaging in the public school process. Um, what we're seeing over the last like two years is you're right an influx of bad actors who have chosen public schools as their battleground and they circulate this faux outrage of issues that don't really have much of an impact on the education of their children but they blow like a mountain out of a molehill they're blowing up something terrible and they're using you know divisive and explosive language and it's very extremist in its um goals Um, So we're seeing a lot more people engage in public school meetings, school board meetings, uh, PTA, PTO meetings, not necessarily because they share the goal of improving public education, but the opposite. They are 
aiming to tear it all down, Mm -hmm. to dismantle public education and return to the haves and the have-nots. We're seeing that in Charlotte-Mecklenburg, I mean, that's been a trend over years and decades. Um, We do have an achievement gap. We do have equity issues. We do have uh, discrimination and, and, you know, a, a difference in Title I schools versus some of our suburban schools. They're not actually mad about that. <laughs> they want that. Um, they want to expand that difference. Could you say why? why? Why do you think that is? I think it's all rooted in racism. I think they, they want their children to learn only their values and to go forth with that exclusive um, real hate in their hearts. We have our monthly school board meetings at Charlotte Mecklenburg schools. There's a small set of people that come in with their t-shirts and they're angry, but it's the same five people. (laughs) They're very loud. Um, They've got media contacts. They've got, you know, national dark funding that they're leaning on. Um, But they no way represent a majority of anything. They're just very loud. Um, I then take pleasure in being as loud or louder um, and really getting into the community and bringing other people to the school board meetings. And here are some real things that we can be talking about to to counter that noise and to counter that message. And you said... as you, you only moved here in 2019, and as a military family, I'm sure you moved around uh, quite a bit. And also, you're a minority. So can you? what has been your experience in the schools, and how has it differed from other places um, that you've lived? I would probably describe it as a constant fight, hmm. um, always having to advocate for my child or children, staying on top of teachers and my child and having to stick up for them constantly. So it's draining. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of um, what you're describing is actually often described as, you know, sort of a, like a complex trauma, something that just is is continual. Yes, ma'am. It's a continual thing that you're always having to deal with. And it's like that low level anxiety that you have and it wears you down, that kind of stress. And Stacey Swanson, can you tell us about your advocacy during the pandemic? And and um, sounds like you've attended some of their school board meetings. And what have you seen? Um, well, I will say that um, in, in Union County, it, the school board meetings were um, likely the, the style that you would see on primetime news. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, ended up having to get police as security so that opposing sides wouldn't mix with one another outside. This is so humiliating. (laughs) I mean, mean, honestly, as as an American who's lived abroad, who's represented the United States, I mean, I didn't, but along with my husband who served overseas, it's humiliating to me to think that we have, this is who we are, that it is on the news, that other people are seeing this, because I just don't think it's representative of us, but these are the loud voices. Yeah, it, it, extremely loud. Um, and I will say that one blessing I think that came out of the COVID pandemic is that more people started listening mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. Um, we were stuck in our homes. We were teaching our children virtually and that school board meetings on. So, hey, I'm just going to pop in and listen to that. And I became uh, activated 
in in this level of advocacy work when I was listening to a virtual school board meeting. Hmm. Um, I was having a very large glass of red wine <laughs> and um, and they made the decision to be mask optional in the height of COVID. Mm-hmm. And this school board meeting was literally days before school started. How did they make the decision? Did um, they listen to experts? Did they have testimony? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> um, no. They, they just wanted it to be no, over. I, I, I feel like they probably picked their the data points mm-hmm. that best served their COVID decision. COVID was really good for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so there was kind of this uh, just generic parental uproar at just that decision being made. And mm-hmm. before that time, I had never been involved in schools. I had never listened to a school board meeting, even in Loudoun County. And Loudoun mm-hmm. County now has its own issues. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, very much. Uh, I was just so enraged and shocked that... I was desperate to find a a group, a space of people who needed to speak up, who Mm -hmm. needed to say something. Mm -hmm. And luckily I found it. It was actually during that um, school board meeting, there was um, now a good friend of mine named uh, Kristen who said she's just popping in this group saying, hey, we started a Facebook group. And so that's where I got my start was literally that day. And I think it was... A month or two later, I spoke at my first school board meeting. I'll say that when I started being able to do some advocacy work was really in the summer of 2017. So it was after the previous president had been elected. Um, he campaigned on repealing the Affordable Care Act. Mm-hmm. I thought the whole thing was a joke. And then in the spring, the House, uh, the Congressional House, actually did repeal the ACA. Um, Of course, then it has to go to the Senate. And I'm sitting watching the TV in my daughter's room. She has a lot of medical conditions. So she has like machines and monitors Mm -hmm. and beeping things. And I I just couldn't abide what I was seeing. I I thought there was no way this was going to happen. Um, it is not an exaggeration to say that the Affordable Care Act has saved the lives of my children. Mm -hmm. So when I saw that repealed in the house, I, um, almost like something came over me and you know I've got to do something what do I do so like everyone else I went on social media who's where what um, and I found a group of families in the DC metro area who were also dealing with you know all these medical complexities and what can we do well what if we went down to the Capitol and just started walking the hallways mm-hmm. knocking on doors seeing about meetings but they also found that as they were requesting meetings, they needed to have a name. What organization are you with? Yeah. And they're like, it's just me. Um, so the reporter who was following them actually coined the phrase little lobbyists because it's the children that we center. It is their voices that we want to hear. Most. I love that name. I love that and name. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little tongue in cheek. We're obviously not lobby- yeah. lobbyists. <laughs> it's a volunteer effort, but it, it gives us that organization behind. And we're just trying to grow that awareness that, you know, a lot of the world lives in this 80, 20, perspective that if it's good enough for 80 percent the other 20 will figure it out and that's not okay and that's not actually true and that's not how the laws work um there have been an incredible amount of disability advocacy before us that gives us that seat at the table i like that i i want to zoom out a little bit and ask it's in this very purple state anisa what are your feelings on the midterms here in north carolina Locally, I feel good. 
Um, locally, we've been very active and motivated from the meetings that I've been to. Mm-hmm. But I think that as long as we keep on the momentum that we have now, I have high hopes for it. How much of that momentum is because of Roe? A lot. <laughs> Do you think people understand? Do you do you think people understand the implications of Roe and what is happening? No, not fully. No. Stacy's, do you? No, no. <laughs> this is no. An, I don't an, think people. I mean, I think um, you know. And I have I, just to give some perspective. Union County is, um, I would say, sixty to seventy percent heavy Republican mm-hmm. area, and um, I even have friends in my neighborhood that are very Republican that are very upset <laughs> about Roe. I don't know that maybe they're thinking ahead and think in that, you know, hey, our state senator actually co-sponsored this bill for the federal ban. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right here. That's yeah. in North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know that people are like, oh, well, that that's that can never happen. Yeah. I think that what's important for people to understand about Roe is that in Justice Alito's opinion, he used the phrase, a domestic supply of infants. Mm -hmm. They are telling us what they want. They believe the pregnant woman's body belongs to the state. They are telling us they want a federal ban on abortion. What they mean is they want power over the uterus. The woman is a vessel. The woman is less. And it's not that the baby is important because if it were, they would be pro raising that child to adulthood. Pro healthcare, pro support system, pro all of those things. So it's hard for me to take it seriously when they weep about um, aborted fetuses because that is not their actual goal. The hypocrisy is glaring and the more that we can alert people to that, I think the better chance we have. I am not confident about November's elections. I am very prepared for, well, because they've already been saying it. A number of our elected officials from the Republican Party have already cast doubt on ballots um, and elections. And they, if they don't win, it must be because they were cheated. We're already hearing that at the state and federal level. That's very concerning that you're hearing that here in North Not Carolina. Not specific to North Carolina, but definitely in North Carolina. Another point I'd like to make is that among the January 6th failed insurrectionists, there were busloads of people that came from North Carolina. There are training camps in the mountains where they prepared to storm the Capitol. You know, Anissa, I have to ask, as a former service member, because the leader of the Oath Keepers also was a former service member, um, a paratrooper, how does this make you feel? I was not surprised. Yeah. Not by one bit. Mm -hmm. While I was active duty, I dealt with a lot of discrimination, not just for being Black, but also women. Um, As you know, people do not like taking orders from us. Uh, So, I mean... It was kind of like, I told y'all. Yeah. But still feeling very helpless. Yeah. It's nothing more than disheartening. I don't I don't have any other yeah. way of wording that. I think my, my husband felt the same way. Also not surprised. He never faced the level of anti-Semitism that he faced in the military. And um, I've told the story on the pod, but the first time we moved, we were moving overseas and we had a group of people who just came and they only took like a few things because you can ship a few things by air. And when they left, 
they carved a swastika with a box knife in our garage. And it was just bizarre. But, you know, this weird level of anti-Semitism, and and I think that's a a bigger discussion, but I think it kind of goes back to what you were saying about want, you know, Stacey, about wanting only their values and their their version of whatever, you know, to be taught. I, I don't, I'm, I, I struggle with how to characterize this because I know what you mean. Delusional. Yeah, it is. It's delusion. It's like, it's a fairy tale. Yeah. They want their fairy tale, their fantasy. Mm-hmm. Can I use the word Christofascism? Yeah, I mean, I think um, that's what it is. It is, you know, there have been a lot of comparisons in the misogynist uh, and racist and anti-Semitic uh, views that this is something like Sharia law. Mm-hmm. Nope, this is American Christo fascism and yeah. we have to call it that and they are accountable for it and we see you mm-hmm. and we are not going to let that mm-hmm. stand. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go back. The people from North Carolina who chartered and rode buses up to D.C. for the for the failed insurrection, mm-hmm. they are school teachers. They're realtors. They're people in our business community. They're people we see at the grocery store and they're excited and proud mm-hmm. and they have... So far, in Union County at least, they have shown up at our school board meetings hand in hand with these mom groups in an attempt to intimidate public speakers unsuccessfully. We will not be bowed, but they have made those attempts. And at Charlotte Mecklenburg, when I first spoke out against the AstroTurf moms group that has come into our county, I was pulled aside after that meeting. Could by you just, I'm sorry. Could you just explain what AstroTurf Moms Group? Because I love it and I know what you mean, but I want everyone else to understand. <laughs> yes. So AstroTurf is a, really a group that it's like stolen valor. Yeah. They they present as a grassroots group. We're looking at you, Moms for Liberty. Moms for Racist Nonsense. Yeah. Um, they are very fully funded. Mm -hmm. And you could see that in their explosive growth. What we are as little lobbyists is a grassroots effort. What they are is an astroturf effort in that they look like they want to present as though they're grassroots, but they are not that at all. Um, And it's especially infuriating as someone who's been doing grassroots work for the last five years, because I know how hard it is and how um, important it is to have the voice of people in the community. Um, they swooped in with their matching t-shirts and their laminated signs and their scripts for faux outrage. They're even recruiting children to read excerpts from yes, yes. Um, you know books that are under uh, yes. scrutiny, I guess. In Mecklenburg County, they're trying to recruit a 12-year-old to read a passage from a book at one of the school board meetings, so far unsuccessfully. Um, but because they want to drive that outrage, And it's not dawning on them how ironic it is that they are outraged at this passage and then pushing it on a 12-year-old to read. So we see you. Well, I'm going to end by asking the question that was sort of one of the motivating factors for this whole tour. And I'll start with you, Stacey Swanson. What is the one thing that caused you to be more involved? And I think you talked about that um, earlier. But What's the thing that keeps some of your friends from getting involved and how can we overcome that in the next six weeks? I would say from what I've seen online, what um, prevents more people from being involved is one time Mm -hmm. and maybe not just time itself. It's the preconceived notion of what that time commitment is 
to be involved. But second, because I've had a lot of conversations with um, suburban moms <laughs> in, in Union County, and I do feel like they're, um, at least in that area, it's kind of the opposite scenario, Charlotte-Mecklenburg, um, that their vote isn't going to mean anything. Now, I'm hoping that some of the recent events that have been happening in the county and the Roe decision, I do feel has activated more people. My biggest answer when people now, when people say that my vote won't count, is to say, really, tell that to Kansas. Because they activated and they moved quickly and they protected abortion in the state of Kansas. There is this notion of like, oh, that would never happen here. Or, oh, that would never happen to me. Um, I feel like a lot of women kind of woke up um, with the Roe decision, but even just uh, two days ago, um, Moms for Liberty in Union County attacked our arts and technology magnet program called CATA. Um, what do you mean attacked? Um, they are, their musical theater department mm-hmm. is um, producing their own rendition of Jesus Christ Superstar. Jesus Christ Superstar is a majority male cast, and they wanted to make the play gender inclusive um and so allowing girls to play traditionally male roles um and so they've had auditions and i guess the union county chapter of moms really caught caught wind of that i think one of the um members is a parent Mm -hmm. at um at this particular school and so they're currently working (laughs) to (laughs) uh to uh have them cancel the musical and that enraged more people than I have ever seen enraged in the past 18 months. It's when it hits home. I think yes. that's my point is that when it yeah. hits home, when this is affecting my kid mm-hmm. that tried out for a musical, or this is affecting this school that's very diverse, then it hits home. I mean, I, I find this, it's, it's such an interesting situation that so many people think it won't happen to them. When it becomes personal and people think it could never happen here, and then all of a sudden, like the local high school production, then people are like, yeah, so the the extremism is coming for me. But so, Anissa, back to the question, what what was the thing that got you more involved? It sounds like you've always been a little bit involved. And what is the thing that you think prevents people from getting involved as well? For me, like I said, I'm just one that wants to do my part. I genuinely get joy out of community work. You know, when it's fun, you know, festivals and pole greeting and, you know, whatever is, I can be social and still get out there and do my part. Um, as far as what I think stops people is time. And I think that if they did know that it doesn't require a lot of your time, sometimes meetings are just an hour a month. And Stacy, how about you? Same question. For me, if I've learned anything over the last nine years since my girls were born, it's that Superman is not coming. Mm. There is nobody out there who will save us. It is up to us. And I uniquely understand that now as a parent with children who are disabled. Um, The things that I see in the community that are wrong and need to be righted affect every single one of us. And as Stacy was talking about uh, being activated, you know, first you have to become aware of an issue, Mm -hmm. then decide you're going to do something about it, then actually follow through. And that's where the, the... the funnel gets smaller, you know, everybody's motivated. Some of us have the time, fewer of us have the audacity. 
I know that I sound like I have audacity. I really don't. It is my daughters mm -hmm. who give me that audacity. <clears throat> I have to do this work because if I'm not doing something to make a difference, I'm sitting quietly and fretting mm -hmm. and that gets dark too fast. It does. So I have to move. I have to be doing something, even if it's, you know, postcards or canvassing or phone banking or text banking. Text banking is the easiest thing once you figure That's out the I software. Yeah, I mean, you know, people don't necessarily like call phone banking because you're making outbound cold calls basically and people hang up and, you know, there's rudeness and all of that. And that's why I really credit Red, Wine and Blue for operationalizing this big idea into small pieces that everyone can incorporate into their day. Um, because every single bit of that helps the broader goal. Um, so yeah, it's, it is audacity, but you can get it from your friends, your kids, mm -hmm. your parents, whoever is driving you towards that need to make the world a little bit better in your tiny little corner in your school district. Mm -hmm. Do that. Stacy, Stacy, and Anissa, thank you so much for joining us for this. This is just exactly what I envisioned when I thought of this, because I want other people to hear what you're doing when you're, you know, in these states um, that are so important and everything is so close, it can definitely make a difference. And so thanks for sharing with us. And I hope that you'll continue your work and we'll see good results in November.